Morning again. Uh, thanks, Rod and Serena. I, I must admit, I do love that uh, Isaiah passage. You see it pops up at the end of the 1 Corinthians reading we're looking at today, um, the verse 16. Um, I, I actually, a bit of a confession, I suppose. Um, I wrote my first song through that Isaiah passage right at the end. But those who trust in the Lord will um, renew their strength, they'll rise on wings like eagles. Um, there you go. You don't want to hear it, that's for sure. Um, I think it's a mess of all sorts of different genres. But it was pretty, it was, it's a, just a great passage. Anyway, um, welcome. If you're here for the first time, great to have you here. Uh, we're going to continue our series on 1 Corinthians. So we're looking at chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. Um, and we continue this series on church matters. And we're reminded that church matters. You get it? I hope so. Um, let's pray and ask God to help us as we uh, open his word. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness to us in the Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you that in him we are wise, uh, righteous, the, right, uh, righteous, our holiness and redemption through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Lord, we pray as we open your word again today that you would be with us, you would be speaking to us, help me to be clear, and we thank you that uh, we can gather together in your name today. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, on, uh, on May 25th through to May 28, thousands upon thousands of everyday Australians will flock to an event in Sydney's Darling Harbour. Uh, in fact, this event is the largest of its kind in Australia. In fact, possibly even the Southern Hemisphere, they boast. People come to this event for answers. The website tells me attendees are from all walks of life and are searching on a spiritual journey. It is, of course, the Mind, Body, Spirit Festival. Sydney's Darling Harbour happens every year. And it's booming, getting bigger and bigger. There are psychic readings. There are educational courses. You can buy crystals and have crystal alignment. I don't know what that means. Um, you can have meditation sessions. You can have angel guides. Books to purchase on animal dreaming. Now, to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Because I have a dog who dreams and goes, woof, woof. In his sleep. And I think it's pretty cute. Um, I did catch him the other day growling in his sleep. It's quite funny. <laughs> Go, Teddy. My dog's this big, right? Not very menacing at all. Uh, so you can, you can get books on that. It costs a bit of money. And, and in fact, everything. You go as you walk into this festival. Everything comes with a fee. And we're not really talking about just a couple bucks either. We're talking about a fair bit of money. You'll meet some fascinating people. You'll meet Maddie from the website. Uh, she has, I quote, cured wandering spirits in an Indian burial ground. And since then, business has been booming. Uh, she offers, now I've got to get pronunciation right, I'm not really into this sort of stuff, as you can imagine. Uh, she offers black hat feng shui cures. Again, I don't know what that is. Uh, but her workshop will set you back $33 plus GSD. Or if you need to spice up your love life, you can, go, you can go and see Oceana and Icarus. I'm not sure who the boy and the girl is. And they will give you some tips on tantric lovemaking. Sounds interesting, that's for sure. Spirituality is trendy. It's uh, what they say. It's the new black. 
And whether it's attending this festival or it's travelling to a uh, spiritual destination or just picking up some of the teachings of a religious or spiritual guru, uh, what does it mean to be spiritual? What does it mean when we say, well, I'm more spiritually minded these days? You might have heard that phrase. Is it as confusing, complicated, and dare I say it, a little muddled as, the, as, as common spiritual thinking is today that we might see represented in the Mind, Body, Spirit Festival? Well, it seems in the Church of Corinth, uh, they too were a little muddled with what it meant to be spiritual. Paul addresses this problem in this, in this letter, his letter to the church. But in these first few chapters, I think he gets it most succinctly about what does it mean to be spiritual. And here's what we'll, we'll hear loud and clear, is that Christian spirituality, I'm going to say true spirituality, it is radically different, radically different from anything that this world can offer up. And so to get us thinking more clearly about true spirituality, Paul uses, and you can see it if you get your outline there, uh, Paul uses a set of three contrasts. Worthwhile having that open in front of you. It's good to jot some notes down to help you remember. Don't forget the comment card. Uh, boxes at the back. I'd love to have some uh, comments there. That'll be helpful. And we'll have some questions at the end too. But Paul uses three contrasts in verses 6 to 16, um, which really follow on from what he's been writing previously. And we'll see that as we go through. So here's the first one. Those who receive God's wisdom and those who don't. So verse 6 says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Now the mature here are simply those who receive the apostle's message. The gospel, what he's been talking about, the message of, of the cross over and against the world uh, that rejects that message of the cross. So the mature, uh, sorry, the mature the apostle, the Paul and the Apostles speak to are those who have received the message of Christ crucified, once secret, but now made known through the Apostles' teaching. Understand it like this. Uh, it's a bit, little bit like hide and seek. We've played hide and seek before, haven't we? A kid's game, mostly. Um, in other words, the message was always there. The kid hiding is always there. But hidden. The message is hidden. And now in Christ, it's been found, it's been revealed, it's been made known. And we'll find out how in a few moments' time. The problem was, was that the church at Corinth were not acting like they had received the message. They hadn't taken hold of Christ as the wisdom of God and, and the implications that come with that. So much so that in the next chapter, chapter 3... Paul actually calls them infants in Christ, a little immature. The mature, you see, they, they use what they know. That's what it means to be a Christian, uh, putting it into practice, the words of God, the message that Paul is preaching. That's maturity, grasping the, the wisdom of God and resisting the lure of the wisdom of the world, the, the wisdom of this age. The wisdom of this age and the rulers of this world, we read, uh, and we remember from last week, well, that's being, they're being destroyed by the cross. They are coming to nothing. So the wisdom of the Mind, Body and Spirit Festival and such things like it, well, they're coming to nothing. The wisdom of God, 
The cross of Jesus Christ crucified is destroying it. Last week. So any worldly wisdom, for example, uh, well, careerism, worldly wisdom, wisdom of this age, um, materialism, the, the, I'll go, go for another ism, the pluralism of our post-truth age. <laughs> it's coming to nothing. It's being destroyed by the cross of Christ. Incredible, isn't it? So Paul says the, the rulers of this age, they don't, they don't get it. They're coming to nothing. They're being destroyed. Even in the first century Corinth, Paul remembers that those rulers who crucified Jesus didn't understand it. Otherwise, they would not have crucified him. Fair enough. So those who do understand the mature, they, they, they put God's word into practice. They realise that worldly wisdom will come to nothing, so they don't chase after it. So whether it's the rhetorical brilliance of first century Corinth, the, the Sophia, that's the Greek word for wisdom that was floating around in that context in, in Corinth, that, mean, that meant that uh, ability to speak to people um, and uh, to hold a crowd, that rhetorical brilliance that we've learned about in the last couple of weeks. Whether it's that type of wisdom, it's coming to nothing. Whether it's the wisdom of this age in terms of comfort, uh, nationalism, greed, or, or wisdom of this age, that worldly wisdom is coming to nothing. See, the truth is that God has revealed his wisdom by his spirit to us. Verses 9 and 10 tell us that. So why would we chase after any other wisdom if we have God's wisdom? Why would we do that? It's extraordinary what God has prepared for those who love him. You can see that in, uh, in verse 9. Just extraordinary. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God revealed it to us by his spirit. And this wisdom that God has revealed to us, verse 7 says, going back there, was destined for our glory before time began. So there's the first contrast. Uh, those who receive God's wisdom and those who don't. And remember, we're trying to understand the answer to this question, what it means, truly means to be spiritual. So I'm hoping we're picking up a few clues, what it means to be spiritual. I guess we could sum up things right now and so that being spiritual means maturity in Christ. That is, in the context of what we've just read, receiving and accepting the message of Christ crucified and resisting the wisdom of the world. Okay, let's go to our second contrast we see as we try to answer this important question about what it means to be spiritual. The spirit of God and the wisdom of the world. Let's read from verse 10. But, but's important, we've seen why. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? Paul uses a sort of um, like is known by like type argument. Okay, let's keep going though. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We, do not receive, we have not received the spirit of the world 
but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. How does the Spirit work? If you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably asked that question to yourself or to other people. What is the role of the Spirit? And again, what does it mean to be spiritual? Important questions, aren't they? They're very important questions. They're important for many reasons, but for one reason is that many people get confused over them. We're not quite sure of the answer to that question. There are lots of different answers floating around. So whether it's mystical philosophies or quirky religious practices or even in mainstream religions, being spiritual or the spirit's work often is a little misunderstood. So let's do what we ought to do every time we get a tough question and let's go back to God's word. Verse 10 says, the spirit reveals the wisdom of God to believers. What's the wisdom of God been defined as so far? Jesus Christ crucified. It's the wisdom of God. The spirit reveals that. And the spirit's in us as we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, as we call on the name of the Lord, as as chapter 1 verse 2 describes Christian people, followers of Jesus. The spirit reveals the wisdom of God to believers. Now, unlike the rulers of this age or the wisdom of this age who don't understand because they don't have the spirit of God in them, God's spirit enables those who call on the name of the Lord, who are following Jesus, to understand and to know the gospel. To take hold of the wisdom of God and then resist the wisdom of the world. That's the work of the Spirit. But wait, there's more. Uh, Verse 12. Look at verse 12. The Spirit helps us to understand what God has freely given us. What's God freely given us? Well, His grace, His his love, uh, His Son, His wisdom. Righteousness, holiness and redemption. We could keep going on and on, couldn't we? What God has freely given us. In the context, that's, the, that's what uh, Paul's talking about. What, the message spoken by the apostles. It's what God has freely given us. Now, we follow with me to verse 13. And what have these apostles spoken? Or, or we could say, what have they written down? They spoke and wrote it down. Look at verse 13. This is what we speak. Now, Paul speaks, uh, it's, it's not just, he's not just talking about him, he's talking about more broadly the apostles. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Now, do you see what it means to be spiritual? Let, let me flesh it out a bit more. Do you see the link between the Spirit at work and the words of the apostles? Do you see the link Paul's making there? The link between what it means to be spiritual and the words of the apostles. The words which we have in our hands today, God's word in the scriptures. The words which speak of the gospel, the message of Christ crucified. Now, we can't separate the two. The spirit at work and apostolic teaching. That's what Paul talks about it. In other words, the word of God are the sword of the spirit, as Paul says in Ephesians 6. They go hand in hand. The word of God And the spirit, they go hand in hand. Spiritual truths and spiritual words. It's a phrase Paul uses there. And so, do you see that following Jesus is not just another way to be spiritual? 
I think perhaps if you need to remember one thing today, I want you to remember that. That following Jesus is not just another way to be spiritual. He is the only way to true spirituality. The Bible tells us that very clear. He's the only way we can know God. He's the only way when we put our trust in him that we can have God's spirit. So friends, this means that the spirit of this world, the wisdom of this world, will not help you to understand God, nor the things of God. The spirit of this world will not help you to know God and draw closer to him. It won't work. Only our dependence or trust in God's Son, Jesus Christ crucified, the power of God, will bring you to him. The spirit of this world will not help us to get church matters right. Nor nor the spirit of this world will not help us to understand that church matters. That won't help us either. Without the spirit at work, churches will not grow in maturity in uh, God's grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lives will not be transformed without the Spirit of God working. Divisions will not be healed without the Spirit of God working. Sin will not be forgiven. Gifts will not be used in a Christ-like manner without the Spirit of God working. And we could keep going. They're just things that we'll pick up in 1 Corinthians soon over the next few weeks. So we must speak the message of Christ crucified. Uh, We must take hold of it in our lives. And as we do, we pray that God uses us by his spirit as his servants for his church. Let's go to this third contrast. Uh, Paul describes the spiritual person and the unspiritual person. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, all right, I reckon I've got it. I've got the point. Uh, Paul, why don't you put another paragraph in? You you, you got me? I'm there. I'm with you. Um, The contrasts are clear. But no, Paul wants his readers to fully grasp their utter dependence on the Holy Spirit. He's not finished yet. Not done. Um, For nothing else will quickly humble their arrogance and self-assertions, their divisions and lovelessness. Only the Spirit of God will do that. So he wants them to fully grasp it. So he keeps going. So verse 14. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the unspiritual person, the man without the spirit, is described in two ways. See if you can see them. Uh, The first one. Such a person does not accept the the things that come from God. Why? Well, it's foolishness to them. What they find foolishness is the message of Jesus Christ crucified. We know that. saw that in our uh, our first talk in this series. The message doesn't fit well with today's message, does it? Doesn't really, the message of Christ crucified doesn't really fit well with the way uh, the world generally thinks about God. Uh, uh, just, uh, as autonomous human beings, that's one worldly philosophy that's thrown at us. I can do everything if I just try hard enough. Uh, if I work hard enough and earn enough, then I'm going to succeed. That's a, a worldly philosophy that the cross of Jesus Christ flies in the face of. So, second, Paul insists that the, the, the person without the Spirit cannot understand the things that come from the Spirit. These wonderful, life-transforming, redeeming things that come from the Spirit. Those things are spiritually discerned. Now, what does Paul mean by that? Well, 
it's really the same point he made in verse 12. Only through the Spirit working in us can we understand what God has freely given us. What God has freely given us, we can only understand, we can only spiritually discern through the, the Spirit working in us. And without the Spirit working, we are utterly powerless to get it. Utterly powerless to truly understand the gospel. You know, most stories of people becoming Christians don't tend to happen overnight. Some of them do. Some of them are, uh, you know, the, the, as if a lightning bolt hit, bang, I understand the gospel. I get it. Maybe, maybe you're one of those stories. I'd love to you just share it with me afterwards if that, that's you. But for a lot of us, uh, it took a bit of time. Uh, recently, we had two young people in our, our youth ministry decide to follow Jesus. Uh, hearing your stories, as I've spoken to a number, number of you, obviously, as I, I look around the room, uh, those stories, that didn't happen overnight either. I love hearing stories about how people became Christians. Maybe it's after many conversations, uh, much reading and thinking, sometimes over many years as well. Maybe you're thinking about your own story now. What happened? Who spoke to me? Uh, with my own story, I had a number of conversations with a number of different people. I knew the gospel from a pretty early age, but uh, it didn't really click. I didn't really understand it. it perhaps your story or your stories you've heard, uh, there's, there, were, there, were, there was years of rejection, of disbelief, of self-focus. And when Christians were sharing the gospel with you, they thought that you would never believe. Oh, when's he going to believe? They, they continue to run from God. Our, um, our prayers are clearly not being answered. We start to think about that person who's, who's just not there, just doesn't get it. The things of God, well, they remain foolishness to them. Why? Well, because those things are spiritually discerned. Then, finally, bang, it clicks. God's Spirit works. The Spirit is given. They understand. They get it. And they can now fathom the things of God. See, that's what it means to be, in this context, a spiritual person. They are simply the person who has the Spirit of God. The Spirit opens up entire vistas of understanding that would otherwise be unclear to us. So, verse 15, the spiritual man or spiritual person makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Now, this doesn't mean that the spiritual person is an expert on everything. Okay, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a big know-it-all. Sadly, that's how some people have misinterpreted this verse. And they argue their right to have an opinion on everything. Not a very pleasant person to be around. Uh, as if, because I'm a Christian, I have special knowledge of quantum physics, sheep husbandry, and the life cycle of a pink fairy armadillo. I try to think of the most bizarre animal I could. Um, no, no, no. The point is that the one with God's spirit spiritual person has lived both worlds with the spirit and without the spirit and from experience from the word of God they can make judgments on what's around them unlike someone who has not the spirit of God see they can fathom they can make judgments about all things more clearly because they see the world around them through the lens of the cross which makes all things so much clearer and it's not other people's judgments that should bother them anyway. 
Well, of course, it's God's, isn't it? Still, the truth again, Paul reminds us as he closes, and this is where the Isaiah passage comes in. We don't have a lot of time to, to dissect this Isaiah passage. It's a great passage. But the Isaiah passage, in short, says God is God. <laughs> God is God. But the truth, again, as Paul finishes off, is that no one knows the mind of the Lord to instruct him. No one knows that. But, there's a big but to finish, we do have the Spirit of God in us. We've got the mind of Christ. We have understood something of God's wisdom, his righteousness, his holiness and redemption. And that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good, Paul says. Well, let's tie a few things together. Uh, friends, in the end, there's only one real contrast in this, isn't there? We found three, but really there's only one. And that is, of course, those who follow Jesus and those who don't. Uh, those who receive God's spirit and those who don't. That's what it means to be spiritual, to have the spirit of God. The radical difference of following Jesus. It's a true spirituality only by the cross of Christ. See, if you're, if you're struggling to see the world clearly, then I want to encourage you to, to come to Jesus. Keep coming to Jesus. Come to the cross of Christ. Grasp and take hold of the wisdom of God and resist the lure of the wisdom of this world. Why don't I pray and ask God to help us to do that? Um, as we see what true spirituality is, it means having God's spirit, it means following Jesus. Uh, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for today. Um, Lord, we thank you for this, this, uh, these words in front of us, your words. We ask, Lord, that we would follow you, Lord Jesus. We pray as we read in, in um, uh, Lord, in Ephesians, that you would fill us with your spirit. And help us to make wise decisions. Give us the wisdom. Help us to see the world through the cross of Christ. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we are not alone. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit helps us, uh, reveals to us the cross of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for this church. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, give you a moment to gather your thoughts if you want to make a comment or two. Ask a question if I missed anything. Maybe um, a word of encouragement for us as a church. All right, anyone got a comment or a question? Yeah, sure. I really hope not. Yeah, I think that would be... Um, uh, well, yeah, having said that, um, <laughs> I, I, have, yeah, no, I haven't gone to one myself, but I do have a friend who went to check one out. Yeah, check it out. Um, oh, oh, sorry. Um, yes, I understand the question, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think so. There's nothing on the website that's, that's, that's Christian. And there's a there's a number of videos and so on. And the the friend that who went um, didn't say anything. There was any Christian representation. 
Um, like, yes, have you heard of someone doing that? Ah, and this is what this was a while ago. Yeah. Um, and there were there were usually some sort of uh, Christians there as a, um, I guess you know, um, to evangelise to Yeah, great. There you go. Okay. Yeah. There's certainly the the website has a list of all the all the um. Uh, oh, um <laughs> Dave, behave. behave. Um, there were the, the website has a list of all the, present, the presenters and exhibitions and so on, and so there's the, I couldn't see anything. It doesn't mean that there weren't there, but yeah, I, like that would be great, wouldn't it? Sure would. Yeah, and, and the the funny thing is there are, there are certain parts of um, uh, I'll just call it the mid north, the north coast of New South Wales. Let's just go there for a minute, um, which I love those places too, that are great places to talk about spiritual things. Very, people were very open to it. Um, and, and I'm not sure Robertson's one of those places. I don't know, actually. But um, people who live here long enough would know. But there are, there are places that are, that are like the Mind Body Spirit Festival that push that sort of stuff, and it's very common, who are very open to conversations. So, yeah, maybe the sh- I hope there's a spirit Christian presence there. Yeah, thanks. Any other comments or questions? Okay. Michelle, I think um, 